Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Danielle Carter, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibilities into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. If you have thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at Cisco Champion. All right. Cisco recently announced a strategic partnership with Nutanix that aims to deliver the industry's most complete hybrid cloud solution to simplify customer operations, maximize resiliency, and accelerate IT transformation. In this episode, find out how this new solution can help you. So let's get started with introductions. Liam, how about we start with you? What is Hi, Danielle. What you do? Hi. So my name is Liam Keegan. I am the Chief Technology Officer for 24-7 Networks Rio Bravo. Uh, we are a Cisco partner uh, with operations in the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, we have done a pile of hyperflex over the years and, and hyperconverged. And so I'm really excited to talk to the, the, the team here to learn all about what, what the Nutanix partnership means for, for our customers uh, moving into 2024. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. Mark, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Um, well, Mark Siebring, I'm an expert director at Devo team in the Netherlands, in Europe. Uh, part of the innovative tech uh, pillar and what I do is that I help, help our customers to get the most out of their IT. Sometimes that is technical, sometimes that's organizational, sometimes it's a completely different thing. Uh, most of the time, it's having a lot of fun together with the customer to make sure that it gets uh, that they get what they actually paid for. Great. Well, thank you for joining us today. Last from our champions. Oh, of course. Michael, tell us who you are and what it is that you do. Hi, Danielle. Yes, uh, Mike Witte. I uh, work for Worldwide Technology as a principal architect. And I'm focused on data center technology. So, you know, anything fabric related or compute storage, that type of stuff. Um, you know, the last three years, I've really been focused on uh, doing a lot of lab work and building um, training and articles and things like that for customers and our field to consume so they can learn about new technologies such as Nutanix. So, this will be good for me. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Bavik and Brian are our guests on today's episode. In no particular order, can you tell us who you guys are and what it is that you do? Sure. I'm Brian Emmerich. I'm a technical marketing engineer with Cisco Systems for the Computing Services and uh, Software Product Group. Uh, worked uh, with Cisco for 12 years, uh, initially as a solution architect for Cisco Advanced Services, uh, and for the last six years uh, as a TME focused on storage, uh, hyperconverged software defined storage solutions, uh, mainly on Cisco Hyperflex, obviously, uh, as our product. Uh, I'm the author of, uh, I think it's 13 white papers and Cisco validated designs on Cisco Hyperflex, and have uh, now transitioned over to support. Uh, our new partnership and product offerings with Nutanix on top of UCS. Thank you so much, Bavik. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Uh, my name is Bavik Desai, and I've been, uh, I'm a TME at Nutanix. I've been at Nutanix for now seven years. 
I started off working in the engineering side of things, uh, working in the performance team at Nutanix, and then transitioned over to the tech marketing uh, team at Nutanix now. And I cover Nutanix's core operating system, which is uh, called AOS, and uh, the Nutanix Cloud Infrastructure uh, Solution, uh, which covers uh, AOS, AHV, and then networking services, disaster recovery. Uh, great to be here with uh, everyone on this call and talk about uh, the partnership that we have with uh, Cisco. Well, maybe we can just start off by by asking Brian and Bobak to to kind of go through. And Brian, maybe we we start from your your perspective and sort of like why, why what is Nutanix right now and and why did Cisco choose to partner with Nutanix uh, for for hypervisor or, or I'm sorry hyperconverged services? Sure. So. As far as what is Nutanix, you know, we might leave that uh, to Bobic to describe. But you know, the reason why we're choosing to partnership with Nutanix uh, really boils down to taking a look at the overall hyperconverged market, right? And the the HCI market continues to grow. Uh, growth projections over the next several years continue to be uh, fairly high. And we had our own product offering in Cisco Hyperflex uh, out there on the market that we you know, had some success with and we're proud of. Uh, but in the end of the day, you know, we were only achieving somewhere in the area of like five or 6% market share versus you know, the market being dominated by, uh, by primarily Nutanix uh, and also VMware vSAN. And so the, you know, the, the opportunity for us to grow that market share and reach a point where we, maybe we were going to have competitive parity in the market with uh, with Nutanix was you know a pretty daunting ask. Uh, in the earliest days of Cisco Hyperflex, because I was involved back in the project, you know even when it was you know a, a secret you know code word project, you know there was plenty of recognition that perhaps we didn't have you know total feature parity with the you know with the other players, and so. If we if we reached a point where we had feature parity and we were selling it as a unified solution on top of Cisco UCS, that that would you know further enhance our position in the market. And over time, you know that just didn't come to fruition. And so, we don't want to ignore the growth potential that's there in a hyperconverged space. Uh, we want to have solutions that are available to all of our customers, all of our partners, uh, all of our solution providers out there that are, you know, building systems for their customers. And, uh, and so, you know, the decision was made at the highest levels of the company that this was, you know, perhaps a time that we should look into a strategic partnership with, you know, with an industry leader. Uh, and we already have offerings uh, based on Cisco UCS uh, for VMware vSAN with vSAN ready nodes. That's that's the primary method that uh, you know that VMware uh, you know works with other uh, hardware vendors for deployment of vSAN. Uh, so in terms of a you know actual technology partnership with you know the kind of co-engineering and uh, and cooperative support that we would be interested in, uh, Nutanix is really the the only real choice and, and the natural choice to make. And so we're excited that we've been able to forge that relationship. Uh, it's early days. There's, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, good feelings and, uh, uh, and sentiment around it, a lot of excitement in the marketplace, and we just uh, hope that that continues. And then maybe the question now is, what is Nutanix right now? And what can we expect there? 
Yeah, so I can I can answer that question. Uh, so, what is Nutanix right now? Before before I go into what it is right now, uh, I think it would be useful for listeners to understand where we were and where we are and, and the journey that we've been on. Right, uh, we've been pioneers of the hyperconverged infrastructure uh, in terms of where computing, storage, networking are basically tightly integrated into a single system. So. Uh, Nutanix was founded in 2009. That's how we started off uh, uh, being the pioneers of the hyperconverged uh, infrastructure uh, going on from the converged systems uh, that were prevalent. And, and, and to be fair, it's still uh, out there in the markets right now. Uh, our primary thing was def uh, a scale-out software-defined storage system uh, where uh, the archi architecture of the system was based on uh, the Googles, Amazons, Facebooks of the world, where uh, it was not a, a, a traditional uh, hardware-centric storage solution, which comprised of, say, two controller heads, which storage disks attached to it. It was uh, leveraging the local storage in every server and creating a clustered scale-out file system and providing a software-defined storage uh, to uh, compute services uh, and applications uh, that run on, on the service. And then over a period of time, uh, we, we started off uh, uh, running uh, ESXi as our hypervisor, but over a period of time, uh, we've come out with our own hypervisor. We support Hyper-V as well. Uh, we have our own hypervisor called AHV uh, that has been in the market since 2015, if, if I remember correctly. Uh, so we've gone uh, over, the, over the years, we've gone in and added uh, capabilities into our own hypervisor as well. We're now uh, tracking uh, the number of nodes that we ship every quarter. 65% uh, of the nodes that we ship out every quarter uh, on the nodes, uh, uh, the hypervisor is EHV on a rolling basis right now. Uh, and then uh, over the past few years, uh, we've come out with uh, services uh, to basically give a complete uh, go on from an infrastructure specific solution to more of a cloud platform solution where uh, we provided cloud integration. So the software, uh, the core uh, software that runs on uh, on prem uh, on servers can be now can now be run uh, in public clouds and AWS, uh, like AWS and Azure, uh, and can be deployed for the marketplace. So uh, which provides app mobility and uh, the ability to create a hybrid and multi-cloud multi environment. Uh, and then the entire platform uh, aims to deliver a scalable and agile infrastructure for the business with a lot of services inbuilt into it, uh, services like providing networking, uh, disaster recovery, uh, Kubernetes-based solutions, uh, so uh, self-service capabilities, uh, automation, all of that has been, is built into the platform now. Uh, and those services are, can be leveraged by customers uh, who are looking to uh, kind of have go through the journey of either uh, data center modernization or they have a mandate of uh, being cloud first uh, uh, in their uh, in the inf environmental infrastructure. Uh, we help customers uh, bridge that gap and help that help them in that journey. Hmm. So if I if I understand correctly. You provide a unified view of the underlying infrastructure, a unified pane of glass on how it is performing. Is that correct? That that would, that would be a that would be a part of it, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, 
we provide storage services, we provide networking services. So you would get the unified view uh, uh, across your entire infrastructure. So you would not, no longer have silos uh, of infrastructure being managed by different management planes. Everything, uh, if, it deploy, if all the applications are deployed on Nutanix, uh, on Nutanix's platform, you will get that single uh, point of view, single look into the entire infrastructure uh, uh, itself. And not just your on-prem infrastructure, uh, if you're deploying it in the cloud, you can still manage it from the single uh, control plane, which we call Prism Central. Uh, you can use that Prism Central to manage uh, and operate your on-prem as well as your cloud environment. So, so one of the things that um, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, you know, we, we see some of the strengths. I mean, we uh, Liam, Liam and I actually did a, a podcast last week or two weeks ago with, uh, you know, VMM integration, right? That's that's built into ACI now, right? And now we have a single pane of glass. So, so what are some of the other strengths um, that customers, maybe looking for a different solution, need to be aware about Nutanix? So when you say um, VMM integration. So, so virtual machine manager integration. So that's basically right. the ability for ACI to go in and create the the port groups, things like that, uh, on Nutanix in, in Open Switch, right? So, so the automation of that, right? So it's 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 kind of built in now, with uh, with ACI. So we're just kind of curious on, on what customers um, can expect from a, you know, a strength of, of Nutanix, right? Because as you know, as this this um, collaboration grows right there's going to be more integration with with the various platforms that's at least what i see so i'm not too sure of how much integration we have with aci right now uh, probably brian can touch in on, on that but in terms of managing the general virtual machine specific stuff uh out of the box uh nutanix software uh provides that in terms of uh, managing networks, managing port groups, managing VLANs. Uh, we have a concept of virtual private cloud, similar to public clouds, where you can set up your virtual private cloud environment uh, from an AHV hypervisor perspective, right? Uh, so Nutanix provides that uh, on in the platform itself. And so going forward, there is a significant amount of co-engineering effort that is, you know, part of this technology partnership between Nutanix and, and Cisco. And so a lot of the uh, extra engineering integrations that you'll see uh, are especially related to the initial setup and installation of the of the platform because uh, for those of you that would be familiar with Cisco UCS and the concept of stateless mm -hmm. computing and UCS manager and Cisco Intersight, uh, you know, Nutanix has been available technically on a Cisco UCS platform for several years now, but it was it was a self-certified integration uh, that was built purely by Nutanix on their side, and it didn't have any involvement from Cisco UCS uh, or, or any of our engineering teams. So there maybe wasn't the uh, full, you know, cooperation or understanding about, you know, perhaps our best practices and how we actually like to see the system being built for, uh, you know, for multi-tenant use, uh, separating policies, pools, profiles into orgs, et cetera, uh, weren't done with that initial self-certification process. Uh, so now that we have this partnership in place, you're going to see a lot of growth in that area where, you know, the initial installation configuration of the system is going to have a lot more integration between Nutanix and their installers and their tools, uh, plus the ongoing integrations that you're going to see between, uh, you know, Cisco and Nutanix for day-to-day -day use. 
uh, and life cycle of the tool. One of which we've already put in place where the, uh, where the Nutanix lifecycle manager is already capable of handling things like upgrades and firmware upgrades on the Cisco UCS side from the Nutanix lifecycle manager tool. So you can actually perform firmware upgrades on Cisco UCS servers without logging into Cisco UCS manager at all. And it's something that I was literally testing yesterday. And those integrations are only gonna get better as the time goes on, uh, including integrations with Cisco Intersight, where if you were logging into a Cisco Intersight system to look at all of the different uh, UCS domains, uh, other integrated systems that you may have running on top of Cisco UCS, you'll also see your, your Nutanix clusters mm -hmm. and all of the information in there about storage consumption, uh, you know, alerts, alarms, uh, you know, uh, predictive analysis of when, you know, systems might run out of storage space. The same kind of integrations that, you know, honestly, we, we already had with Cisco Hyperflex and it took a while to build those. Uh, we're working very hard in the background to build those exact same integrations uh, between Nutanix and Cisco. Yeah, and then to, just to add to that, right? So, I mean, as part of the partnership, uh, it includes the integration with, uh, with Cisco ACI. And we have, uh, Nutanix has uh, something called Flow, Network Security, and then Flow uh, Virtual Networking, which is AHV based. That is complementary to how uh, ACI is, ACI integration, uh, VMM integration with ACI works. It's, it's complementary mm -hmm. where customers, or Nutanix customers who have, uh, say, Flow Network Security, uh, it is complementary to how Cisco ACI would work in terms of uh, um, the, deployment of the VLANs or deployment of EBGs uh, from a physical machine standpoint. And then the flow pieces will provide the overlay network and network segmentation um, for for the VMs. Because the way flow works is we define tags or categories for VMs and the, uh, the network segmentation and the policies work on those tags that are applied to a particular VM. So it's pretty complementary to ACI. Interesting. It's, just going back to Zach, we were talking about some more more on the feature side, and and I didn't really know that that Nutanix was sort of at least got its start as hypervisor independent, where it was really for, uh, focused on that scale out storage side. You know, one of the things that we, when we were doing hyperflex designs, a lot of our customers asked about sort of value add services around the storage space. And, and so I've, I've just got some, I just wrote some notes down about things that like we we, we get asked about. So obviously with, with Nutanix's scale out uh, data stores, you can take, you know, your hypervisor, whether it's ESX, uh, Hyper-V or AHV and present a data store to it, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the bread and butter. What about other services like SMB, iSCSI, NFS, that, that type of thing? Does, is, is that available in the, in the platform? If you, when you set up a Nutanix cluster, uh, if it, depending on what hypervisor you're running, right? So if it's uh, ESXi, uh, it's presented to the host as uh, an NFS data store, like a like a right. NetApp uh, data store or any yep. any file share data store, right? Uh, if it's AHV, the connection between the the compute and the storage is done through iSCSI uh, internally, and then Hyper-V uses SMB. So for us, the storage pro uh, the protocol is just a we a means of communication between the host uh, and the storage layer. And to your point about additional data services, right, storage services, so we have uh, something called Nutanix Unified Storage, uh, 
uh, within that, uh, we have Nutanix files, Nutanix objects, and Nutanix volumes. So Nutanix volumes provides provides iSCSI storage uh, uh, externally, either inside the cluster itself or externally for bare metal uh, applications that need to be run. Right? So uh, instance of like say Oracle Rack running on bare metal, we can provide our storage services through uh, Nutanix volumes. Um, Nutanix files provides uh, file storage. Uh, uh, similar to uh, uh, filers now, the isolons and NetApp filers of the world. So uh, we have the uh, capability uh, once a cluster is deployed, you can deploy a, a Nutanix files cluster on top of it, which will provide you uh, shares, uh, network shares that your applications can leverage. Uh, and then uh, similarly, Nutanix objects provides uh, S3 compatible storage uh, to applications uh, as required. So these are additional services that can be deployed on the platform itself. Yeah, that, that was that was my my next question was the S3 compatible. We're seeing just across the board people looking for S3 compatible storage for mm -hmm. backups for like immutable vaults. And and yeah. so that's a that's a, a an ask that we get get all the time. So it's good to know that that checks the box. And and, yeah, then, and so and, that's and, one of those strategic items that you know we were alluding to earlier about uh you know why partnering with someone like Nutanix where you know things like uh uh, S3 or SMB NFS shares, you know, were were some competitive features that we were missing in in Hyperflex. That you know, now partnering with with Nutanix and them having the ability to offer all of those features, you know, to all of their customers as long as they uh, choose to license the feature, uh, is a real benefit to us. And then, and the customers can decide how they want to deploy those. See if they want to just deploy your Nutanix files cluster, right? You can deploy a cluster and dedicate it to just Nutanix files uh, as a standalone cluster, and they might have a, a, a separate cluster for their general servo virtualization workloads, and then manage all of that uh, from the single Nutanix, uh, uh, Prism Central instances, which is our, our multi-cluster management tool. And then going back to uh, Nutanix objects, we use that in in uh, uh, together with a, a lot of the other services like Nutanix files has a concept of uh, file tiering. So if you have, uh, say, a lot of files stored in Nutanix files, and if you want to tier that uh, uh, data in the files, which has gotten old or which has not been accessed for a long time, and if you want to move it to a cheaper storage, you can set up policies from a file tiering perspective, which will automatically move those files from Nutanix files to objects, Nutanix objects, uh, based on the policies that are set. So that's just just an example of how oh, different services different services are leveraged by customers. It just sounds like it's customers. super flexible. I mean, it sounds like yeah. you know, it, the the platform just depends. I mean, you sort of throw the disk at it, and then you you put this like it doesn't care what the underlying storage is. You you set it up to 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 leverage whatever right. your business is asking for, and then you're you're you kind of right. don't have to worry about it. Yeah, uh, once that also makes it that also makes it really interesting to see how onboarding is done because. What I hear is a lot of flexibility, but it also entails that you have an enormous amount of choices to be made when you start onboarding. Uh, you told us in the beginning, decide that there, uh, Nutanix offers a single pane of glass, a single pane that you interact with. Um, does that also help you to make the choices when onboarding so that you can choose whether to use S3 or uh, Nutanix files or Nutanix objects, and what would be the best for that application. That's 
that can be done, that can be defined by customers depending on their choices. But I think it's it's more of a customer uh, decision that they need to make uh, whether uh, they want to put a particular workload on files. Uh, if it's, I mean, it's a, uh, a share kind of workload, right? So would we leverage files for that or do we want to go to like unstructured S3 compatible data uh, and put it on objects or just keep it on, uh, on general Nutanix on start infrastructure, general Nutanix storage. So that's, that's a decision that uh, depends on uh, what kind of workload, what kind of applications are, are being run by the customer and the customer can decide that. Is, is there any tools? Is there any tools included in Nutanix to help customers look at that? Like an advisor or something like that, so they can kind of pick and choose what's the best place to run their workloads. So, in terms of just general server workloads, right? If you put a application uh, on Nutanix, the software is intelligent enough to figure out where, what the best place to run it uh, from a hardware resource perspective, right? So, just like very basic, just the way. IO works uh, in the core uh, uh, AOS operating system is uh, anytime a right IO comes in to the system, uh, the software uh, makes a dynamic decision to place that data uniquely every single time for every uh, write or overwrite that comes in. Uh, and what we also do is we keep one uh, piece of the data local. So we do not have uh, any concept of RAID. The way we provide the data resiliency is we create multiple copies of the data. So if it's RF2, which is application factor two, we create two copies. If it's RF3, the, we create three copies. So we make sure that uh, one copy is always kept local to where that uh, application is running. Uh, and then the other copy is uh, basically peanut butter spread uh, across the entire cluster. And then, as I said, every time a new write comes in, uh, we have algorithms at the background that determine what's the best place to keep that chunk of that piece of data across the cluster, uh, looking at things like the usage uh, of the various nodes and disks across the cluster, looking at the performance and the queue depth of uh, the hardware resources. So over a period of time, uh, as more and more workloads are put on the system, uh, it uh, ensures that uh, the performance and the usage remains optimal across the entire cluster. And I was just going to say, with regards to the initial setup and installation of the system, you know, uh, the initial deployment of a Nutanix cluster is actually quite simple. Uh, so even though it has all of these additional features and flexibility, you're not working through an installation routine where you have to, you know, enter 50 different variables and, and check 25 different boxes, whether you want this or that or the other turned on or off. The deployment of an initial Nutanix cluster is very, very easy, uh, much easier than just about anything uh, that's really out there. And then the additional features like Nutanix files and volumes, et cetera, are things that are set up after the fact, including, uh, you know, your Prism Central installation. Uh, there's, you know, uh, you know, there's places within the Nutanix uh, Prism element, which is the built-in you know, PRISM management system that comes embedded in any uh, PRISM cluster that walks you through the process of if you want to deploy PRISM Central and then if you want to, you know, deploy uh, the files modules so that you can take advantage of volumes uh, and objects, et cetera, are all things that are done after the fact. So you don't have to necessarily have everything pre-planned and every decision made beforehand before you deploy the system. Uh, you can actually walk through it in more of an iterative fashion and then 
even if you then later discover that perhaps, uh, you know, I went through my sizing exercises and I, maybe I don't have enough drives, maybe I don't have enough storage, or I need a couple of additional nodes, expansion of uh, a Nutanix cluster is a very simple operation as well, and actually has, you know, more flexibility than we've had in the past about mixing and matching node types and drive types, etc. A lot fewer restrictions there about, uh, you know, what's allowed to interoperate with inside, you know, an individual Nutanix cluster. And just just to uh, add a small point, right, to, to what Brian said, uh, once you deploy the base cluster, uh, the, the core cluster, Deploying files, objects, or something called Nutanix database service called NDB, which helps with database deployments uh, or deploying say, Kubernetes. That is, once Prism Central is defined, uh, uh, deployed, depl uh, deploying these files, objects, clusters, or, or uh, NDB is as good as uh, deploying an application on top of the platform, uh, similar to what you would do uh, like in a public cloud environment, where you would just spin up a service uh, on the platform uh, once you go into Prism Central, you just have to pick, uh, you want to deploy Nutanix files. Uh, as an administrator, you just go in and say deploy Nutanix files and the cluster will take care of uh, deploying the files cluster for you on top of it. So, you know, the holidays are coming up before the call. Brian said that every listener of the podcast would get a free hyper or a free uh, Nutanix <laughs> cluster. So thank you, Brian. That's very oh, kind. My, my you're, pleasure. You're, Santa very, Claus you're such a giver. Early. Santa, Brian. So, you know, when, when Santa Brian comes on Christmas Eve and drops the, the, the three-node Nutanix cluster down everybody's chimney and, you know, gets installed in, in the rack and, and, you know, wants to, you know, the, 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 the potential customers want to move a workload. Like, what does that look like as far as migrating, you know, workloads off of maybe ESX, uh, Hyper-V, you know, KVM or whatever, whatever your, your, your hypervisor of choice is over to uh, the, the Nutanix platform? Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I'll take that one because I actually worked on the on on the migration white paper that uh, that we wrote that was uh, launched at the same time that we had yep. the uh, the announcement of the partnerships. So myself and, and another engineer on our team wrote the uh, that migration white paper. And, uh, and if people, if if people listening have not seen it, it is very very comprehensive. I mean, it, it is an excellent like step by step, very detailed. Uh, uh, you know, how to guide. So I would I, maybe we can post that in the show notes. Yeah, so, I, sorry, I, I, I interrupted that. you. I, I definitely appreciate the compliments, Liam. Uh, uh, thank you for that. Uh, if let's, we'll take it in in two steps. One of them being, you know, we're doing a straight, you know, hypervisor to hypervisor migration, probably with ESXi, uh, you know, vSphere managed by vCenter. The simplest and easiest thing is, of course, just your standard, you know, vMotion migrations where we're rehoming the storage from. Uh, you know, from one cluster to another using a, a shared nothing migration pattern. So as long as you can get to a point where uh, those vMotion interfaces on the two different clusters are able to communicate with each other, you can do that shared nothing vMotion migration, including the storage migration from one platform to another. And there are, you know, definitely some benefits to doing it that way because you're not going to incur any kind of downtime, uh, you know, uh, and when you're moving, you know, on the same hypervisor from one to the other, that uh, operation is fairly simple. If we start doing cross hypervisor migrations, the best tool to use is a free tool from Nutanix called Nutanix Move. And this is uh, something that can be downloaded from Nutanix uh, and deployed manually, or it can actually be downloaded and deployed from Prism Central in the Prism Central marketplace. Uh, and the Nutanix Move 
tool uh, can reach out to hypervisors of different flavors, uh, you know, catalog all of the virtual machines that are running in the different locations, uh, do background pre-population of data from one cluster to another until you reach a point where you decide this is my cutover window. And my cutover window could be during, you know, planned maintenance, uh, you know, quarterly, weekly, whatever the case may be. And that cutover window will then, you know, power off the source VM, perform that last synchronization of all of the data, power it up on the new Nutanix cluster. So minimal downtime required for that, but it's the only real safe way of getting, you know, say for a customer that's looking to move to an alternate hypervisor uh, and they're trying to migrate to Nutanix running AHV and they have their existing environment uh, running a, a vSphere environment, uh, use the Nutanix Move tool. It's a very comprehensive tool. We've tested it thoroughly uh, on Cisco's side uh, and had great success with it. And just just to add just to add a small anecdote to that, I was I was at uh, uh, a conference last week, uh, you know, in Vegas, Gartner's I/O Infrastructure and Operations Conference, uh, and uh, I was at uh, Nutanix's booth and talking to customers. There was a customer who came by who has both uh, uh, ESXi and EHV running. And he's like, the best thing, the best product that you have uh, is Nutanix Move because I can point my Move instance to ASXI and it will automatically go in and change it to HVVMs. Uh, it's very seamless, uh, as Brian said. Uh, you create a migration plan and not just uh, ESXi to HV, right? You can move workloads from uh, cloud uh, AWS uh, Azure to AHV uh, as well or, or to on-prem clusters as well. Uh, it's a very nifty migration tool that a lot of our customers have used it uh, for doing migrations. Uh, so we can do cross uh, cluster migrations. You can do in-place upgrades where you can change your uh, cluster from ESXi to HV as well uh, once you decide to change hypervisors if, if need be. And that okay. also includes cool. network policies and firewall rules and that kind of stuff because that is generally blocking migrations that I've seen is that they're like, oh yeah, we forgot the firewall rules or we forgot about 5% of the firewall rules and now we have to manually figure out what it actually is that we forgot. So that, that would take uh, creating similar policies uh, and on the hypervisor side uh, from ESXi to AHV. Okay. Yeah, could you go into a little more detail? Because you mentioned earlier about um, the ability to do segmentation, right? And I know a lot of a lot of customers are still somewhat into, into um, doing a little bit of micro and macro segmentation in the network. Um, I kind of like to maybe if you guys have a little more detail on that about how that can can be possibly performed. Uh, uh, the you said you have like kind of overlays or something. The the network segmentation, yeah. like micro segmentation. Right. So right. we have a product called Nutanix uh, uh, Flow, uh, where you, you can set up uh, policies to a group of VMs. Uh, say, you say for example, you have a three tier application, a database server, web server. Uh, you can set up uh, tags and policies or categories on those VMs, uh, and set up micro segmentation policies where, based on the traffic, uh, you can. Uh, restrict traffic going out 
uh, of those VMs or traffic coming into those VMs. And even between the communication between VMs, you can set up policies saying, I do not want my web server talking to my databases uh, based on the traffic, uh, uh, the TCP traffic or UDP traffic or network connections set up between them. So uh, Flow pro provides that through something called Flow, micro, uh, flow Network Security or Flow Micro Segmentation, where these can be applied uh, to applications uh, as a whole. Yeah, so I mean, it, it sounds like we can actually move that security down to the actual vSwitch level versus trying to, you know, have that traffic have to go up to the leaf switches or the, you know, top of row switches to get um, segmentation. So that's that's pretty right. impressive. I like that. What about licensing? That's always one thing that we always talk about during uh, these uh, these topics. We always talk try to talk to the BUs about, you know, how does the product get licensed and I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing that. So, from Nutanix's perspective, uh, we have uh, uh, two main things for first of all NCI and NCM. Uh, NCI is the Nutanix cloud infrastructure, uh, which cover which has AOS, AHV, uh, disaster recovery, uh, I'm trying to think, disaster recovery flow uh, included into it. And then the NCM uh, piece uh, has things like uh, automation, self-service, security operations, cost governance, uh, intelligent operations uh, as part of the NCM uh, solution queue. And then for each of uh, the individual pieces, NCI and NCM, we have three different licenses, uh, Starter, Pro, and Ultimate. And licensing is done on a per core basis uh, with Nutanix. Uh, so as you go from starter pro to ultimate, uh, the amount of functionality that you get uh, increases, uh, as you would expect, uh, for both NCI and NCM. Uh, with NCI uh, uh, right now, with either any of the licenses, starter pro ultimate, you get uh, uh, one terabyte of free capacity for files and objects, which is included uh, uh, in, in the deployment uh, for the licenses. So that's part of it. And then there are additional licenses on, on top of it uh, for things like, uh, so if you say, uh, if you deploy Nutanix uh, NCI Pro, and if you want to have, uh, if, if you have NCI Ultimate, you get pretty, basically everything. But say if you have NCI Pro, and if you want things like say Metro availability or say uh, synchronous replication, uh, uh, say advanced or orchestration with uh, automation of say creating runbooks, then that can be set up using uh, additional on top of uh, uh, licenses called uh, advanced replication licenses or add-on licenses that can be applied to the NCI Pro levels. Uh, uh, similarly for NCI Starter. And um, just for the just for our listeners, you know, there's also a, a free version, right, or a community version of Nutanix. So you can go online if you just do a web search for Nutanix Community Edition. You can download it at no cost. Load it up on some servers that you've got sitting around. Absolutely. Give it a try, and and without without having to do do a million hours of paperwork to to buy licenses. Absolutely. That's, so that's that's one way of doing it. Uh, you know, Nutanix community uh, community edition. You can download that, uh, put it on your uh, hardware, and and play around with this as a sand uh, a sandbox. The other way uh, uh, is uh, even if you do if you do not want to even do that, we have something called Nutanix Test Drive. Uh, oh. So if you go to Google and type Nutanix test drive, uh, 
uh, it gives you options uh, to uh, go through various uh, experiences or solutions that you can try it out by just using a web browser. So what we do on the back end is provision a cluster for you. Uh, for the most part, it's always a single node cluster uh, to, to manage resources. But then we allow you to say, if you want to see how uh, deployment of Internet's cluster works or deployment of files works, or how does Kubernetes work, we have mm -hmm. different experiences for each of these uh, different solutions that you can try it out uh, by just uh, using a web browser. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And for deployment on Cisco systems, you know, uh, for those that want to see the full integration of the stack all the way down to the hardware and networking level, you know, Cisco always has the availability to uh, provide demos in the Cisco D cloud. Uh, you know, talk to your Cisco account teams and account reps uh, if you're interested in that, and you know, or even uh, procuring try and buy systems, which you know. Uh, we can often provide to, to customers if you want to see the integration all the way down to the hardware level. Uh, from Cisco's perspective, you know, we, we offer the full suite of all of Nutanix's software uh, on our price lists. So uh, if you're looking to procure a system, you can buy, you know, the hardware, the support hardware, uh, your Intersight licenses, and all of your Nutanix software all directly through Cisco. Uh, so you're not having to work with multiple different account teams in order to, to purchase the solution. Yeah, that's, that's handy. Very cool. All right. Yeah, we, All right. We, we, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to try Nutanix. So uh, the the many different ways uh, that you would uh, want to try it. Uh, we we encourage people to go out and, and try it out by, for themselves and not take our word for it. All right. Another great episode on the books. So our listeners, if you want to continue your learning on today's topics, you can check out the resources provided in the show notes below. And this is your weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure you click on the subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next time.